0: The Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant Holyland. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Matt Hey, This is another episode of the Buck Off Podcast, now part of the Land Grant Holy Land feed. And I'm here today, your host, Christopher Rennie, joined with a new co host. Uh, Matt Tammanini, unfortunately had to leave the show. Uh, he's taking on a new challenge doing the recruiting podcast, so go check that out, The
1: Dotted Line.
0: But I'm here with Mr. Jordan Williams.
1: Hey, Chris, how you doing?
0: How you doing today, Jordan?
1: You know, I'm doing pretty good. I'd be a lot better if the weather was working out. I'm not sure how the weather is on your side, but it's uh, cold and rainy out here. Oh, so
0: Yeah, no, I'll be honest here. In California, it's uh, sunny, 72 degrees. I'm in a nice, comfortable climate right now. My door's actually open. It's pretty quiet out, so hopefully nothing interferes.
1: I think I would give up a lot to have that weather right oh, now. Oh, yeah. You know, Ohio weather's terrible. Everyone who's listening that's from Ohio, been to Ohio, lived here for a year, you understand that. It was like 70 degrees last week, and then the last four days, of course, over the holiday weekend, it's been like 50 and rainy. So,
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Ohio weather is something in its own right that I, I think— Anyone not from Ohio who has an experience, it just doesn't understand it. Like it is the mm-hmm. wildest thing. It's June and you're getting like 50 degree days with pouring rain. <laughs> after it was, it was, it was like 90 degrees last week. I, I was seeing Literally. people were at baseball games, people were like partying outside with their shirts off and stuff. And now I'm like, jeez, man, like it's raining again.
1: Yep, everybody's in sweatpants and hoodies. You can see the people who didn't look at the weather because they expected it to be 90. They're outside in shorts and a t-shirt. Got the nice tanks conf-
0: on, just trying to yeah. get the tan on, and then they realize it's all cloudy and all that.
1: Yeah. I won't confirm or deny if that was me earlier today. Um Yeah, I got rained on, trying to trying to walk and be healthy. Walked outside in shorts and a T shirt like it was a normal day and it started raining. So
0: happens to the best of us though. So just gotta <laughs> be ready, survive and adapt, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, all right. So well, we're getting into quite a bit today. Uh, If you have been living under a rock, you probably don't know about anything we're talking about. But if you've been following Ohio State football and college football, you know the recruiting dead period is finally done. Me and Jordan both very excited about that. Every Ohio State fan should be. You know, once this sort of seems to wrap up like the dead period, we knew it was coming to an end. You started seeing recruits get a little bit more active. You started seeing these official visit plans coming out. And I'm excited. I, I think let's just jump right into it right now. Like, what do you think? What are you most uh, excited for during this huge recruiting month? Just to jump right off the bat.
1: Honestly, I'm most excited for Twitter. Um, what and it, it doesn't even matter with Twitter. Just anything, either like the booms from Ohio State, the recruits, you know, talking about their visits, recruiting each other uh, on social media, all the graphics, things like that. You know, it's just a feeling of normalcy. You know, I don't follow. Recruiting heavily because it's just like I'm not old, but they're high schoolers and yeah. they're making the business, biggest decision of their lives. And so I think sometimes when you try to analyze it too much and things like that, you, you know, a lot of times it gets harmful. Um, but I like it because it's just, you know, essentially it is what it is. It's a whole bunch of 17, 18 year olds making the biggest decision of their lives. And unfortunately i didn't get to play college football i had an injury but i remember going on recruiting visits and and how that was so i'm looking forward to just that return of normalcy although it's not exactly normal as we're going to talk about because it's a lot packed into one month but you know just hearing the recruits seeing the twitter seeing the the everyone cropping the jerseys and which has become an industry of itself and then ultimately you know the reactions the the happy reactions, not the negative reactions to players committing. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to that. How about you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, this is, like, where dreams become realities. And like you said, I, I remember my favorite recruiting visit was actually to the middle of nowhere in Ohio at Tiffin University. The experience mm. is worth every every second of it. It's it's a crazy experience. But I think I'm most excited about for strictly an Ohio State point of view is mm-hmm. just finally getting some conclusions on some like pretty drawn out recruitments, some recruitments that have been very favorable to Ohio State. I'm hoping this month provides some answers early to get some momentum going for the fall. So that's really what I'm excited about. But on top of it's on top of everything you said. Those are the best parts about recruiting. And I feel like every time I talk about recruiting, I have to tell everybody like these kids are 17 and you're on the same page as me. Like these are They're legit. They're children. They're making huge decisions. Like, of course, like, okay, the kid decommitted. What? When I was 17, I couldn't really pick out what shorts I wanted to wear to go to school because I was (laughs) scared I was going to get made fun of for wearing a pair of shorts. And these kids are making the biggest decision of your life. Like, I remember picking, I, I mean, my decision was made for me once I got into Ohio State. But before that, I had like four or five schools I applied to that I was choosing from. And No one's pressuring me. I don't have thousands of rabid fans. And I I just think this disclaimer needs to be said before recruiting starts every time. They're kids. They're going to make decisions. They're going to unmake decisions. And you just got to let it play out and root for the kids who come and just wish well the kids who don't.
1: Honestly. And when you're a fan of someone like Ohio State, like, does it really matter? I mean, like, it, it may hurt in a, in the moment, but then they're just gonna replace them with someone. And so it's like, you know, maybe I can understand it a little bit. I went to Kent State. Maybe I can understand it a little bit at Kent State, you have a guy that you've been recruiting for two years. He goes to an Ohio State camp, gets an offer, and now he's not in your awesome. class. Like I can kind of understand that for yeah I can understand the frustration, but ultimately their kids like you said, and at Ohio State, you're recruiting like seven of them in the same position and the top 100. So you missed that one. One of them is going to go to Alabama. One of them is going to go to Clemson. You're going to get one. So as a fan, I think we just got to keep that in mind. I mean, but it's going to be exciting. If you care about recruiting at all, if you care about the future it's of like, Ohio State. It's like your dream. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's going like, to be exciting. You
0: can't have a better month as a like person who's like either covering recruiting or just follows it like super closely. Like This is your dream. It's all happening right now in June.
1: Yeah, you don't have to like, oh, someone committed in February. And then you have like the six month layoff and you get another commitment. No, it's nope. It's going to be, it's June. It's June. Everything's happening in June. And I mean, everyone but the coaches, I feel like, are excited
0: about it. The coaches are like, God, now I have to work this whole month. This is like my summertime. Usually it's just a few phone calls a day. And now they're full, all gas, no breaks. Like we've got the list right here in the show plan. It's a huge recruiting month. We got unofficial visits during the week. We've got official visits during the weekends. There's six day camps. Uh I mean, I I we could find a list of all the players, but it would probably be a whole podcast reading the amount of names that are gonna be cycling through Ohio State. And these guys are, I've seen kids like with their six planned out. Like, uh, I can't remember the recruit's name, but he had Ohio State. Uh this weekend, uh during the week he's gonna go unofficial to Michigan, unofficial to Michigan State. Next week he's going down south to Alabama to Clemson to Georgia. And I'm like, this guy's got a pack summer. I'm like, this is
1: gonna be so fun for some of these kids. Yeah, and I mean it's it's five, it's five. If you don't know, everyone gets five official visits, but there's four weekends in June. So they're trying to pack in five official visits and four weekends, as well as some unofficial. Um, I mean, there's camps and and Anyone, I don't know. I don't know. Some I don't like to say things that people may not know, but that people may already know. But if you don't know, camps are where a lot of students, a lot of these athletes, get their scholarships or get their bumps. That's where they go from three star to four star, four star to five sure. star. And so there were no camps last year. So now there's camps. I mean, someone. I mean, people are guesstimating that Ohio State's going to have over two hundred prospects, uh, two hundred stu- uh, you know high school athletes coming in in the month of June between their official, unofficial visits. They have one player from 2021, their whole 2022 class, and, you know, they're putting the, the beginnings on their 2023 class. So 200 student athletes, and that's probably not including the camps. That's, those are probably just the official and unofficial visits. Yeah,
0: and the camps, I mean, anyone, you pay, you just pay money to go to the camps. It's going to be a huge list of other kids. Uh, funny thing you said about that, like, we're already – we're two days into June. Two quarterbacks went to the camp today two quarterbacks got offers like this is what we're going to start seeing we're going to start seeing offers thrown out for 2023 we're going to start seeing real crystal balls none of these fake covid crystal balls these are going to be real legitimate crystal balls thrown in on recruits and it's going to be spectacular like i'm not the biggest recruiting guy i love september to january that's my favorite that's the best time of the year I follow all this stuff because it keeps the the brain churning, rooting for Ohio State, all that stuff as a fan. As someone who likes to feel like they cover the sport, it gives me tons of stuff. And like, if I learn something first, I'm like, hey, I know this. You guys don't know this yet. Here it is. And that's, that's it's, it's going to be so fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, oh man, it's important. It is. So, I mean, I guess we could kind of take a chance here and kind of just get into what our coaches trying to really accomplish when they do an unofficial visit, when they do an official visit, six camps, visit lists, they're squeezing all this stuff that would usually go over like four or five months into June. So at the end of this month, what is the goal for the coaches and the recruiting staffs? Is it to make a first impression? Is it to lock in some offers? Is it a combination of it all?
1: So, in my opinion, I think it's two things. I think it's the first thing, maybe the main thing, which is why, you know, if you, if you found any lists, you'll notice that this first weekend is almost all of the guys who are already committed. I think the first thing is to lock in your commits or your silent commits it's like we've been talking to you for a year or two you've never got to come to campus come to campus and, and, and realize that we are real we're who you met over zoom see the camp I mean Ohio State is beautiful uh, if you've never been please come Ohio State's beautiful so like see the campus meet the coaches in person and really just get that face to face that you need uh, I think that's first and foremost which is why not every school is doing that but Ohio State specifically their first weekend is a lot of the committed guys Quinn you were going to be there um uh Caleb Burton I believe his name is going to be there a lot of the you know both the linebackers from Ohio are going to be there so I I think that's that's the first and foremost and then I think I think the second one is really to find those gems those guys that you like you think you want and they think you want you and, and you've been having these conversations but they haven't you haven't given them the offer yet or it's not necessarily a committable offer which I hate that word but it's true um so I think it's just to get those guys there and to say, hey, like we've been talking to you. Um, you know, you may not be that heavy commit, but we really want you here. Now we're going to show it and and really show off the facilities and what makes it special. And, but ultimately, I think it on both sides, it's just that final touch on the relationship. Yeah. building. Cause,
0: I think you could kind of say it's like a really fine for like the ones who are already committed. It's like that final evaluation point for both the coach and the players. You know, they've been talking. They've been seeing each other. You brought that up. This is, like, this is it. We're meeting. We're here. We're in person. Like, let's see how this goes.
1: Definitely. And then the last thing is it's just you have those one or two roster spots. Ohio State loves their roster, guys. That's where their camps comes in. That's where all the Ohio State kids, who, all the Ohio kids who grew up wanting an Ohio State offer that they haven't seen yet, they're going to come into the camps. They're going to do the one-on-one visits. And, and one thing that I'd love your opinion on is – um the fact that they can do one-on-one workouts now. I think that's going to be big for the Ohio kids. So, I mean, how do you think Ohio State's going to use those, or what is your thoughts on their ability to have those one-on-one workouts with with the students?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, any time a coach, like I'm thinking specifically Larry Johnson because he's such a good evaluator of not only the five stars, but those three-star, like what's his name, Devon Hamilton type guys who are like very raw, but have so much potential. And once you get to see them one on one, you kind of get to see how well they actually move. Cause we, we both know it. Like high school film can lie. Like we, mm-hmm. we've seen it. We've been fooled. A lot of people have been fooled. Recruiting services have been fooled. Uh, the reality is eyes on, you get one on one workouts, you get to communicate, you get to see how they take coaching, you get to see how they learn. You get a, it, it. These are all super important things that watching game film, watching Zoom calls, meetings, all that stuff. Sorry, I said watching, like speaking to them over Zoom (laughs) and all that stuff. You know, you just can't see all that stuff. Like this is an opportunity. This is their first opportunity to coach these kids up. And when you talk about a lot of these under-the-radar kids that are like Ohio, like born, Ohio-raised, local Midwest kids, they come to Ohio State. I flew to an Ohio State camp from California in eighth grade. And I was like, God, maybe Luke Fickle gives me an offer. It was the one year I didn't have Trestler or Urban Meyer. Uh, <laughs> but I got to learn from so many coaches uh, around the area. Uh, it was awesome. These kids, like, this is the opportunity for them to make their impression. Like, I keep bringing up Larry Johnson. Brian Hartline gets to see these receivers in person. Uh, these guys get to see one-on-one battles. They get to see – they get to go through one-on-one drills. They get to do all this stuff that hands-on coaching can really impact recruiting. Like you talk about silent commits. You talk about these things. People legitimately earn offers at these camps. Yeah. Like you show out. I, mean, I remember, I can't remember the kid, but there was a, oh, it was Terry McLaurin. Uh, Urban Meyer, he didn't have an offer. He came all the way from Indiana to the Ohio State camp. Uh, he was able to talk. And communicate with the coaches. He asked him why he didn't have an offer yet. And that whole weekend, it was the uh, one of the regular camps. He got invited to the elite recruit camp, which I don't know if we're going to do that this year or not, but probably at some point. And he ended up earning an offer from Ohio State by just showing out at two camps. Like that's the impact this has. That's the one on one stuff. That's the eyes on the player stuff that you don't get just watching the film and not meeting him in person. It's it's crazy, and I think. We both agree that this is going to be a huge step for all the recruiting process.
1: I mean, I mean, definitely. And that's the thing, you know, that's the beauty of it. Because some, maybe some of these bigger schools, maybe not Clemson, because Clemson is a great talent evaluator. But maybe like Alabama and Georgia, maybe they don't take the chance on the three stars. But every Ohio State coach is always taking that chance. Yeah, and well, last mean, two a lot of response. A lot of times it works out, and so and, and even still some people don't know this, and I don't know if they're going to do this this year with Covid, but a lot of these camps are also run by the neighboring coaches so Ohio state's camp will have Kent State, Toledo, Miami of Ohio, all these small yes. schools, division two, II and three schools, and so maybe you don't get the offer from Ohio State, but maybe you get the Kent State offer and maybe you get the Toledo offer and that's still life-changing to these, to yeah. these you know to these kids. So. The most
0: important thing about camps is just getting eyes on you and that's what these are all about and that's what's awesome. And obviously uh we're about to talk about some specific players here we're hoping to hear from by this month cuz I just think this is this is a good opportunity to say like I've seen this recruitment uh we've talked about where they're going to be. We know where they're coming. And we want to see them get in. Uh but yeah, I guess transitioning forward here. Uh just cuz we got to keep the show moving along. There's players coming. We've talked about them. Are there any players you specifically are hoping to hear from by the end of this month?
1: I mean, you didn't say it, but I'll just say it for both of us. Uh JT is I think everyone wants to hear from him. I
0: like this I need to cut in here. I've talked to Matt about this and I am just so done with this recruitment. Like I just want an answer. Like, are you coming? Are you going? <laughs> like, just make a decision. Let's put this to bed. I understand. Like, I if I was in his position, I'm making this life-changing decision. I would want to see the schools do. I get it. But as a fan, following all the hoopla around it, whether you follow any of the Ohio State sites or any of the national sites, he's been making a decision every month for the last six months.
1: Yeah. No, I I totally understand. I hope he comes to Ohio State because this is going to kind of go into something, you know, that we're going to talk about later in our most important positions. Just a little sneak peek. But I think he's in a he is a in a position of need oh, for, um, sure. for us moving forward. But aside from him, uh, my my answer is Zach Rice. Uh, he's a five star offensive tackle, not just a five star. He's the number one off number one ranked offensive tackle Um in the country, 2022. He's from Liberty Christian Academy in Lynchburg, Virginia. And, you know, we have a great offensive line, but we could lose potentially both our starting offensive tackles this year. And granted, we technically we have one in the wings with Paris Johnson, but there's no reason that Nicholas Petit-Friere and... um Thayer Munford. Of course, I'm going to forget this. Thank you, Thayer Munford. Thayer Munford can't come back. Nicholas Petit-Friere is most likely going to leave because it's going to be his fourth season, going to I be believe. First so. first or
0: second round grade, too, probably. Exactly.
1: So, you know, we are we have Paris Johnson. We have some players in the wings, but we need that uh, We need that offensive tackle. And I'm going to sound like Bill Landis because I listen to his podcast all the time, but outside of, you know, Paris Johnson, who was an Ohio, you yeah, know, yeah. Ohio guy. That's a
0: guy we are supposed to get.
1: Right. We haven't gotten that number one, number two offensive tackle from anywhere across the country. We've lost a lot of those. Uh, I mean, we even lost Jackson Carmen, who was an Ohio guy to Clemson. So, you know, we always make it work. Four stars are great. I mean, we're never going to have a bad offensive line, but I would love to see us get the number one recruit at offensive tackle. We've done it at quarterback, done it at wide receiver, done it all over the place. I want I want the number one offensive tackle.
0: Yeah, I, I like Zach Rice. I think that's a huge one. I know we've got four or five tackles in the mix we're interested in, and we're probably going to have to take a couple because, like you said, the depth's about to just shrink. And it's a position where you kind of want to have those three-star developmental guys, but yep. you also want those guys who can immediately come in and contribute. So you're always cycling in and out of young, strong, old, experienced, and you kind of get that rotation going Uh Zach Rice, if he commits, that would be absolutely huge. I would probably earn stud a lot of brownie points that he just doesn't ever seem to get because we both know this about coach Studera. He's a great talent developer, uh, but he's not always the best recruiter outside the state of Ohio. Nope. And it's time. It's a prove it time. This is the, this is one of the last holdouts from the urban Meyer era. Uh, it's, Make or break time for him. He's done a great job with developing them, but recruiting, he's done good. He's done really well. A lot of four stars, a lot of four stars. Just seems to not be able, like you said, to get that five star from not Ohio. And
1: yeah, um, I mean, like I mean, you you said it. He keeps his job because he's a great evaluator. I mean, we always have offensive linemen going into the league, but I don't know about you, but I would love. To have an offensive lineman that like coming out of Ohio State, and they're talking about he's a top five pick. Yeah, he's the number one offensive tackle in the country, number two offensive tackle in the country, and maybe we get that this year. You know, with their Munford, Nicholas Petit, Frier, maybe we get it next year or in two years with Paris uh, Johnson. Johnson whenever he leaves. But I would just, I would, I mean, maybe that's asking too much. Maybe, I mean, I understand we're already lucky, but I would love to see him. You know, get that guy. Once every, I mean, once every three years. I don't think that's too much to ask. And know you're not going to get it every year, but you know, get that, get that five star once every two or three years, and that not always rely on that guy being from Ohio.
0: Yeah, so. for sure. And I think one thing you pointed out was just kind of it feels like with Coach Stud, like we get lucky with having some naturally really good football players in the state of Ohio, uh, but there is uh, something about being spoiled, you know. Yes, we're spoiled. We have one of the best football programs in America. But at the end of the day, like we're cutting teeth now. Like it's Alabama, it's Clemson. Those are the two people we're competing with. And if Alabama's going out and getting a guy like uh what's his name? Donovan Jackson, we need to be able to go out and get a guy like Zach Rice. Because Exactly. Uh you gotta be a step ahead of your enemy. That's just the way it is. And if you're not, you're a step behind. Because and that's that's the difference. That's the difference on Saturday or Monday in January.
1: Yeah, I mean the difference between the number one player in the class and the number four player in the class could be that national champion.
0: And that's it's the small little things, but that's the level Ohio State's at, and that's the pressure these coaches are under. That's the pressure Ryan Day has to put on his staff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I did go as uh, I didn't go with the same level of recruit, but I think this recruits equally as important. Because we have had a little bit of consistency on the back end, but it feels like after Jordan Fuller left, we've kind of been scrambling at the true deep safety position. And I chose Xavier and Wankpa uh, from Southeast Polk High School, Des Moines, Iowa, as my guy. He's offered. He's not committed. Uh, he's been a heavy lean to Ohio State for some time now. Uh, I want to hear from him. I think this is a month if we're going to get him, we could sell it to him. And he could get locked in immediately and become a recruiter for the rest of the class. And I know uh, we've historically been very good argument, BIA, DBU. But these last couple classes uh, during the Halfley time, before Halfley when Coombs left, we're not up to the Ohio State recruiting standard. And the last couple of no. years we're starting to get it going again. But this is the type of guy who I think could bring a solid, True defensive back to the room. You know his position. You know exactly what you're going to get. He's very, he reminds me a lot of Jordan Fuller. And he's just a fundamentally sound, really good athlete. He's a track star at his high school. All the things I hear about, what I learned about recruiting from Urban Meyer, he checked all those boxes. And he's only a four-star, but I like to, I want to hear your opinion on Xavier and
1: I mean, I love that you said that just because I think Jordan Fuller was very underrated, and we're starting to see that because as soon as he left, we're like, oh, okay, yeah, this he guy, was an eraser this guy was important, <laughs> yeah, like you can't just replace him, and like you said, you know, we can claim DBU, but. Unfortunately, a lot of times it's been just the corners. You know, we yes. haven't had that. We haven't had that same, you know, prolificness, if that's a word, uh, with the safeties and with the defense we play and the teams that we're going to play. When we play Alabama, when we play uh, Clemson, potentially Georgia this year if they can get past, you know, Alabama. Uh, Alabama and and even Oklahoma. Although you know, everyone laughs at Oklahoma, but Oklahoma has beaten us when we played them just because they've gotten blown out recently by Alabama and Clemson. Yeah, oh, they were We need a lot that safety. this year,
0: too.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we need that eraser back there. And I, and I think, you know, it's great to have your lockdown corners, but anyone who's played football, anyone who really knows football, like it doesn't matter. How, your corners are going to get beat once or twice a game. For sure. I, I mean, it just happens. You're, they're going against the best wide receivers. They can stumble. Anything can happen. You need that safety. That's an eraser. I think he has the ability to be that. I like that he's actually a safety. He's not an athlete. He's not, you know. He's a, safety. a linebacker who can be a safety. He's not a corner who may be safety. Like he is a safety. Uh, so I mean, I, I agree with you 100. I'm looking forward to hearing from him. I hope you know he's from Iowa. So I don't. I mean, I know there's competition nationally, but I don't. I don't know if it's going to be as hard as trying to get a guy out of California or Georgia. I think if they really sell it, they really get him here. Uh, there's a chance. So I, I hope to hear from him. Just like you said, I think he could be. You know. Regardless, you know, five star, four star, three star. I think he can be one of the most important players in the class.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you agree with me on that. Uh, I think uh, it, it's it's fun uh, to talk about this. We're hoping to hear from some of the best recruits in the country. Uh, I, I'm not ready to sort of get into some under the radar guys. I'd have to do a lot more research on that and the offers. Uh, but I think this is where it starts coming in. We talk about three-star recruits. We talk about five-star recruits. We talk about four-star recruits. And there's 85 scholarships at the end of the day. There, I believe, is 10 preferred walk-on spots. And then uh, there's some space for gray shirts, blue shirts, all that stuff. That seems to be, like, the tool Alabama uses to have 140 people on their roster every year. (laughs) Uh, But roster management with recruiting is very interesting because – I think there's been times where Ohio State's had elite classes. I think uh, 2017 or 2018, Ryan Day's first class, from a composite standpoint, was a 95. The average player rating was a 95. But ranking-wise, we were like 18th in the country because we only took 16, 15 recruits. So that comes from roster management. So I I want you to lead us here. I kind of want you to kind of get us started on this one.
1: Yeah. So I think I just think it's going to be interesting because, you know, as we've talked about, you have all these recruits, you have all these people coming in. The coaches have to manage that roster in the the instance of, you know, it's a month and maybe you don't get your best player. Maybe you don't get your number one player at that position in the first weekend. So some of the things that they have to think about is how do you manage early commitments? What happens if you have that player who comes this weekend, you know, the fourth, and they uh, they commit immediately. And you want him, but he's the number five safety, you know, and you have the number three safety coming in in two weeks, uh, but you can only take one. Uh, is it one of those things where it's just like, hey, if you come first come first serve, uh, do you kind of, you know, manage the expectations? So the, the early – and maybe, you know, maybe there's a lot of different opinions on it, so I want yours. What do you think the likelihood of that even happening? Do you think, you know, because – the, the the kids are so excited they're going to commit to maybe the first or second place that they go or do you think with being so long, far removed from seeing these places that they're actually going to be a little bit patient and they're going to wait to get all four or five of their visits how do you how, how do you think that's going to go
0: yeah so that's that's a really interesting question i i, I wasn't actually really ready for it but uh Thinking about it, I think this is going to be a year where we see them take their full visits because it's all going to get rushed. You're going to have the time. But I think there are going to be some specific instances where a guy's been a heavy lean the whole time. He's going to take it. Uh, I don't think Ohio State's a team that's ever been like, you can't take your visits after you commit to us. I know that's a rule at Clemson. It actually got them into a lot of trouble with the number one recruit last year, Corey Foreman. And... I, I do believe that we'll see some commits. I hope a commit would mean like we're locked in. We're not going to go on other visits. Uh, it seems like dating while you're married it doesn't work. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's it's just one of those things. But I do think there's going to be some kids who are like, yes, this is my school. But the offers that's going to be the interesting part. How coaches manage offering these kids because you can't throw out a bunch of offers. I remember reading on 24-7 sports last year that Tennessee threw out like 300 offers. Like how many of those were real offers? How many of those were feed, like feed-out offers? How many of those were kind of just there? Uh, Because what we talk about? Non-committable versus committable offers. Like they're two different things. Uh, Obviously that situation you brought up where there's the number five player in the country and the number three player. If you're going to take the number five player first, it's only because you think the number three player is unsure and that's just it's i'm just glad they're paid a lot of money i'm not paid a lot of money to do it because that's tough because i don't think uh you want to ever pull a scholarship from a kid but sometimes you're going to offer a kid they're going to want to commit you're going to be like no we can't take you yet and another kid's going to come in and take their spot then they're stuck with going somewhere else and that kind of it's a tough situation it's a hard thing to follow in recruiting it's a one it's the one bad it's a dark side of recruiting in a way it's not it's business everyone knows it is but at the same time it's still leads to some unfortunate circumstances
1: yeah. And I'm not going to say that Ohio State doesn't do it because I don't know. You just don't hear about it. But do you remember uh, Jim Harbaugh? I mean, I won't say he got in trouble, but there was a lot of negative media because he was doing that his first couple of years. Yeah, he was letting he was letting people re- uh, commit, you know, three, four stars. And then he would get lucky with a five star and he would call up the three star yeah, and say, hey, again. you don't have yeah. a spot for you no more. Uh, and I think that's going to be very big. And I I hate committable versus non-committable offers. Like, I, I get it in theory in the instance that you don't know when they're going to, you don't know when someone's going to commit. So you can't, you can't only, you know, give an offer to Quinn Ewers. You have to give an offer to three or four quarterbacks yes. and whichever one comes, comes. But. That's going to be a big thing. Like you already mentioned, it's the first day and two quarterbacks in the 2023 class already got offers. Um, And so they're going to have to manage how they do that specifically for the 2022 class, but really all the classes. Um, And I, I think I do agree with you at least for the 2022 class, you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen with the 2023 class, but I think I do agree that they're going to be a little bit more patient. I think the ones that you're going to see commit are going to be the ones that have been leans and you've seen some of the COVID crystal balls, as you called it and, and things like that. But um Like you said, I mean, (laughs) I don't get paid the big bucks to have to deal with it because, I I mean, it would make me nervous. It would make me nervous if you try to get a guy in on the first or second weekend, he can't come to the last. You have players that you like because you invited them, but, like, you're really, you really itching for that guy. He's that five-star, that high four-star. And, I mean, you only have so many spaces. I believe Ohio State already has 12 people committed, which is, you know, actually a lot technically compared to some of the other. It's it's a pretty good amount. I think Alabama has six, Clemson has four. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of commitments. Um, and and with that, moving on to the next thing, you know, you have to manage decommitments. What happens if that player does commit, comes to you first week and he commits next week and he goes to Clemson, decommits next week and he goes to Alabama. And you, I mean, you have until December, but if your class starts to fill up, I mean I mean if you're right if we're right you maybe we won't see a whole lot of commit and decommitments but it's at least something you have to talk about there's a chance that you're going to see a lot of you know quick commitments and then decommitments
0: yeah and that that usually plays other schools a lot more than ohio state i think ohio state's been very good about offering guys they know are going to be in it for the long haul like i'm looking at our list right now and i think The only one who has given any vibes that they're not the most locked into Ohio state is Jair Brown. And that's not because like anything he did, he's just been like, Hey, I'm committed. I'm a Buckeye. I still want to do all the stuff a 17 year old high school recruit gets to do, but I'm a Buckeye right now. Uh, It's not like he's been like, yeah, no, I'm not a Buckeye at all. Uh, I just have the offer. Like that's not at all what he's been like. I don't want anyone to think that, but Like if some one of these fourteen guys or twelve guys decommitted, I'd be extremely shocked. Uh, Yeah. And looking at like our list of offers, I mean, there's so we have. Hold on, let me pull up the number real quick. It is uh, 107 offers are out right now. So, like we said, uh, there's a good amount of offers in the air. How many of those are real offers? Uh, We're still competing with the likes of Alabama, Clemson, Florida State, of Florida, all those big schools, Georgia, all the big southern schools with a lot of these kids. So, I mean, there's a reason you have 100 offers out there. Not every single one of those 100 kids is going to take the offer to Ohio State. Some of them are going to go elsewhere. I'd say about half of them really want to come to Ohio State, and we've got 12 of about half of 100 locked in. So that means I've seen we might only take 21 to 22 kids this class. That's 10 more spots huge month of recruiting coming up for 2022. Uh there's not a lot of room left.
1: I mean there's really not especially space for transfers. I don't I don't know if this is going to be an Ohio State thing, but uh you know, everyone we've talked about it on Land Grant Holy Land. I believe you've talked about it on Buck Off with Matt. The transfer, I mean, the transfer market is here. Do you think Ohio State will or should leave, you know, a space? Uh, If you're unaware as a listener, you know, you only get 25 spaces and that includes transfers. You know, a lot of coaches were lobbying to extend it, uh, add a couple more spots for transfers, but you only get 25. Do you think you'll see Ohio State, you know, keep some classes at 21, 22 for some transfers? Or do you think, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to take that into account with their recruiting.
0: So I think for the most part with that, I think a lot of the time, the only time Ohio State thought about bringing transfers in is when there was a ton of turnover in a position group through the draft. So I think as long as players are getting drafted at the rate they are, I don't think you're going to have to worry about it as much on the recruiting side, if you know what I'm saying. I think they'll still be able to take the 23, 24, 25, but it's all subjected to... How many draft-eligible players leave? How many draft-eligible players end up staying? And if they obviously stay, like, we don't need a transfer. But if they go, yes. Like, what was his name? Henry 202? Uh, He was a guy who I would have loved to bring in just because he's an experienced player. He's coming into a position of need, uh, immediate need, without a lot of legitimate experience. But we have a ton of receiver commitments. Like we are so deep at receiver on just the kids we recruited. Like I don't think we'll ever need to bring in a wide receiver transfer. Uh, The only other positions I think that you really see a lot of transfers coming in and out of are the quarterback position. That's the number one. And that's one place, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I think we're going to have some guys leave, which means guess what? We're going to have to fill up depth somehow. And, you know, that happens at every position but i don't think it's going to affect the recruiting side like you're asking. i think that's something that's kind of separate. uh the only time i think it would is if we had a year where a bunch of players were projected to be draft picks had bad years and had to come back.
1: yeah, and i mean i don't i mean anything's possible, but i don't necessarily see that happening. Yeah, that i happens. think it's good. i th- I think it's going to be interesting. And really the reason I ask is you think, you know, these bigger programs have it locked in, but Alabama accepted two transfers. Um, Georgia just got two transfers. They got the tight end and the... Um,
0: the DB from Clemson. The Hendricks. DB from
1: Clemson. So, But that doesn't typically seem to be the thing that Ohio State does. And I think this touches on a point, you know. So before we move on, just a final question on roster management. What do you think... Ohio State does that really locks these, like locks these athletes. in. you know, I think, you know, maybe not everyone in Buckeye nation, but I do think that there was a sense that we would have some more people transfer. And we only had Jameson Williams transfer, really. Um, like you mentioned, we don't typically get a whole lot of decommitments. Is it just the, the relationships that the coaches, is it the, the, the tradition and pull of Ohio State? You know, how, how do you think Ohio State does it?
0: Yeah. So, this is actually something I, I, I read quite a bit about, especially because Brian Hartline got interviewed by someone. I can't remember who. I wish I could give him credit. But they asked him, like, you are recruiting receivers at a level I don't think's ever been seen before. And he's like, how do you do it? He's like, I'm just honest with these kids. Like, I know these kids are all talented. They're coming in. I'm going to be honest with them. I'm like, this isn't going to be easy. This is going to be a competition. This is going to make you better. Like, think about this. I know this is like a small thing, but C.J. Saunders was a guy who caught maybe five, six passes in his career at Ohio State. He just got signed with the Carolina Panthers for an offseason, like, contract. Like, regardless of how you feel, regardless of how big of an impact he has, like, he made a legitimate impact enough to get a contract in the NFL. Like, that's what's selling these kids. It's the opportunity. And we've even seen it with players who have left. Like, yes, Joe Burrow was there for three years. He grew. He got to learn under Ryan Day. He got to learn under legitimate quarterback coaches. And then when it didn't work out, he was ready to go perform at another big program. So I think it's really that iron sharpens iron. Uh, We're going to be honest with you. You come to Ohio State, whether you finish here, whether you finish somewhere else, you're going to be better off for it. You're going to be ready to go and take on those NFL challenges. Because you think about it, like we have three quarterbacks right now. They're all competing for the job. The likelihood of all three of those guys finishing out as Ohio State Buckeyes is so slim. It's not really going to happen. I think you saw that. Jamison Williams was the first to exit. Uh, I don't know how it's going to look if we keep getting five-star receivers, but we'll probably see a couple more just because the room's so full. But there's two reasons players leave. Uh, it's because they're uncomfortable or because of lack of opportunity I think jameson Williams really wanted a real opportunity to flash what he had uh at the level he thought he could uh no no harm in that I don't disagree uh, I think it's just something where transparency that's the word I've been looking for this whole time I think the coaches are just transparent they're honest and that's how they lock these guys in they keep it real with them like you know taraja Mitchell was a guy uh, a lot of people talked about transferring He stayed the course. This is his year. This is his opportunity. Washington's probably had to recruit him as much as other players he's currently recruiting. And I think that's kind of what you got to do. Recruiting's not done anymore once they get to school. You're always sort of recruiting them. It's it's just one of those never-ending cycles because guess what? The one-time free transfer rule, that's coming. NIL is going to want to get kids on the field. They're going to want to make the most of their name, image, and likeness. So it's about to become a whole lot harder possibly to keep players. And that's just kind of why you gotta be honest, transparent, and use all those buzzwords every time I can to explain this.
1: I mean, I think you put it perfectly. And I think that one of the things that you can notice is maybe you can maybe you can point out one or two cases, but in most cases when when these athletes leave Ohio State, it's not bad blood. I mean, I, I remember with Joe Burrow, we all like to call him OSU Joe he wouldn't answer the question on who is the biggest rivalry uh, of the two schools that he attended. And now you see, I mean, he's still friends with everyone from Ohio state. It's no bad blood. It's just, he needed another opportunity. I think that really speaks to the coaching staff that people aren't leaving because they were lied to or that, you know, they don't trust the coaching or like you said, they don't feel comfortable. It's just, Hey, I, I, I enjoyed my time here. I love the coaching, but I need another opportunity. And, I think that I think that speaks wonders because it's not like Tennessee, like Tennessee had a mass exodus and it wasn't because of opportunity. It was because that program has a lot of negative things going on right now. So I I think that's the perfect way to put it. And as a fan, I love that. I love that for the most part, as much as you can in college football, that there's integrity in the program and that they do treat it with transparency, with trust, um, and it's more than just athletes. It, it's really that whole life. Uh, and I think that's that's part of why, you know, yeah. they're good at roster management. You know,
0: It's awesome. And, I mean, we see all these little things like Real Life Wednesdays and all these other added benefits as well. But I love how you brought up Joe Burrow because he's just such an example. And he's a guy the Ohio State staff could have lied to, said, yes, you're still deep into this competition with Dwayne. They were honest. This is what they said. I'm pretty sure they told him. They're like, hey, you broke your hand. Wayne's a little ahead of you right now. You're going to be older than him. You have two years of eligibility left. You could wait it out and hope he gets drafted, or you could find the best opportunity for yourself. And that's the type of program I'm proud to be a fan of.
1: I agree 100%. Because
0: I think we're still all some of the – I like I like the Bengals. I'm a Browns fan. I like the Bengals now because of Joe Burrow. I'm like, that guy's a Buckeye. He's a Tiger, I've never he's also
1: rooted for the, I've never rooted for the Bengals before. And now, like, I, I mean – this is a, I'm not even going to touch on how much I hate how the NFL does TV, but there's so many Bengals games that comes on because I can't watch my Colts and I've never wanted to watch the Bengals. And now I'm like, all right, Joe Burrow's there. Let's watch the Bengals. Let's, let, let, let's see. I'm not even mad at the games on anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, uh, that's it. It's, it's, it's just fun. Like I, I don't mind watching them play somewhere else. I am still rooting for these guys. They were, I was a fan of them before. Why can't I be a fan of them when they're somewhere else? Like, Obviously, if we play Alabama, I'm not going to wish bad blood against Jamison Williams, but I hope he loses. I hope he loses. Yeah, of hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so?
1: Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash
0: in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
1: Go to your happy place for a happy price.
0: Go to your happy price, price line. And yeah, all right, welcome back from the break everybody uh this is chris Rennie. welcome you back hopefully you guys enjoyed the nice little music i added in so you can find a spot if you were looking uh as always again i'm here with jordan williams uh how you doing jordan we're halfway through the show how you feeling
1: i mean i'm feeling great i mean i'm enjoying it it's
0: been a good time uh so yeah you know one of the things i saw that a lot of recruiting people hate is jersey shoots i love them uh cj hicks had one today where he took a picture and then his little brother was there with him and his little brother is wearing an Ohio state helmet with the visor on it, looking all swagged out. It was one of my favorite pictures I've seen from a recruiting visit. Uh, But there's something I noticed. And I think, you know, what I'm leading into here. Uh, The Jersey was not traditional. It was not scarlet. It was not white, but it was the all black blackout uniforms. It was the black helmet and the alternate uniforms have become quite a staple in recruiting visit jersey shoots. And I just kind of always leads me back to the argument with the older fan base, like tradition versus the new stuff. Uh, so how do you feel about Let's, let's get it started. How do you feel about recruiting jersey shoots? Do you like them? Do you think they're kind of a waste of time? I know it's probably really fun for them, but as a person following recruiting, like, what does this actually mean to me? You know, how do you feel about them?
1: As as a fan of the team and as a person following recruiting, it means nothing except it's a cool thing. But logically there's a reason why it happened. I mean, come on. Like you want to put on the jersey, you want the picture for social media, you want to show all your you want to show all your friends, your girlfriend, cousins, any of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I don't take anything into it because they do that everywhere just like they crop the jersey. Like, I mean, I feel like every high schooler has a has a masters in Photoshop yeah. now. Uh, so I've tried the Jersey swap. It is not easy. No, it's. I haven't even tried. So I, I don't take much into it as far as are they a lean or not. But I just think it's a great thing. It's a fun thing. You get to, Sometimes you get your family in there, the coaches. I love it. I mean, I love to watch it. And the pitches are great. I mean, it's become such a thing that the pitches are so high quality. So I don't see how you can be mad at it. The only
0: people I think who are really mad about it are the photo shoot people who have to do about <laughs> 150 of them every year. But at the same time, you're oh, like that's that's what you're paid to do, man. Like you got to get these honestly. kids in here by taking the pictures.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and let's be honest, it's probably a whole fashion suit. We see the one or two pictures; they're probably there for like 15 minutes, and everybody's coming in and out. Ooh, but I got to get a At the end of the day, hey,
0: you two guys, come on, get in here with me.
1: It's like, oh, I, I want to do the Heisman, but it's like I'm a I'm a defensive lineman, but I want I got to do the Heisman. I, I need the football. So it's like, let me get some I mean, pushups like, in, so my muscles will looking <laughs> a little bigger. Listen, I mean, I love it. I don't see how you can hate it.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's one of those awesome things about recruiting where you get to see, like, I, I don't think there is, there's only a few more pure smiles in sports than that first jersey shoot smile, and it's winning a championship, and it's getting drafted. And outside of that, the jersey shoot smiles, those kids are feeling good, and I love that. It's just such a positive thing. And the the reason I bring this up is because, I remember seeing Julian Fleming, Fleming, G. Scott, all those receivers from last year's class. A bunch of those players, none of them really were wearing the true scarlet and gray. They were all wearing the 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 Wolves jerseys, the all gray ones. They were all wearing the the white Wolves jerseys. They were wearing the blackout jerseys. It's honestly kind of a rare occurrence to see these photo shoots happen in our non in our traditional uniforms. So I guess. What I want to hear is how important have alternate jerseys been in the recruiting aspect in modernizing Ohio State's football program? Because for a while, there was not a single chance they were going to touch those things.
1: I mean, I remember when we started doing alternates, at least where it was like one a game, one a year, and it was like new ones. I think it's huge because. I understand the traditionalist perspective, but you have to understand like our generation, like we grew up on the look good, feel good. Like we grew up on Nike. I know Nike hasn't been around forever. We grew up on Nike. You wanted the headbands. You wanted the wristbands.
0: Oregon was coming
1: up when we were that age. Like they
0: had a hundred jerseys. Like,
1: and I, and I, I just think that there's truth to that. You look good. You feel good. It gives you some sort of confidence and maybe it shouldn't, maybe, maybe you should be confident because you practice and you studied and things like that. But when you walk out on that field and you know, your, your visor is shining just right. Like your uniform fits perfectly glit like, like those things matter. It's fresh. It's um, and different. It's new. Exactly. And so I think the alternate uniforms, you know, Especially at a place like Ohio State, where it's not Oregon, where you don't have a, a lot of them, it gives you something to give you something to look forward to. You you keep the tradition. You're going to wear your jerseys, but like when you get the and, and then they time it perfectly with the the biggest games, right? Yeah, and so I think when you look at recruiting, you t- you you have these. Um, I mean, like, you—you, you, they're kids. And so what are they interested in? Like, yeah, the real-life Wednesdays are cool, but, like, do you really appreciate those until you're 21, until you're about to graduate? Do you really appreciate the internships at 17? Like, do you really appreciate all the little things? Like, no, that's for your parents. Like, your parents want to hear the real-life Wednesdays Yeah, Wednesday. they
0: want to hear, you, what are you going to do for me academically? The kids are like, what shoes we got? What jerseys yep. do we have? How many yep. clothes Oh, we do got I LeBron's.
1: Oh. Like, you, you, you have LeBron's? Okay, perfect. You got the beats like, coming in. Yeah, like, how many pairs of gloves do I get? I Oh, I get, like, my mom only buys me two pair of gloves. I get seven pairs of gloves. As soon as they break, I get a new pair. Like, that's what they want. And I think that's where the alternate jerseys come in. It just looks cool. It's, like
0: I, I don't really buy jerseys. I'm more of a golf shirt polo guy. But uh, the one jersey I was ready to put some money down on was the gray ones. Those are my favorite alternate jerseys of all time. The helmets, I have a... Oh, I don't have it here. I have the replica helmet. It's about this big. uh no one can see that. I don't know why I am doing this. We're yeah. not <laughs> doing a video. It's one of the. It's not the full size, but it's a middle size one. Everyone knows what I am talking about. Yeah, and it's my favorite helmet. I got one for me. I got one for my dad. I love it so much. I am gifting it. Uh, so I know how these kids feel about it. They are so cool. And don't get me wrong, no one could ever touch the Scarlet and Gray the the true the traditional helmets, the traditional jerseys. But I do like coming into a Thursday or a Thursday and then them dropping the video, the hype video yeah. and seeing this sick like theme. they go all in with every aspect of it and that's branded and it's awesome. And I just love that. And you can see it's paying off because these are the kids yeah. are coming. They're wearing these jerseys. So,
1: I mean, my favorite one is the all, I love the, I love the, it was all black with like the subtle red, maybe it was 2017, I don't remember exactly when they did it, but I, I mean the gray, the grays are beautiful, but I don't know, it was just something about that all black um, with with the red, I really enjoyed that yeah, one, so, but I, I love it, and it's not even that many combinations, we're not working, like, you know, they'll change one or two things, they'll change the lettering. Every time they drop a new one, I'm watching the video. I can't wait for the game. And I'm 26. At 17, you're telling me that's not important? No, like, it's
0: electric. It's awesome. Oh, but, yeah, let's get into what's really important, though. We love jerseys. We love all that. But we got to talk about this. You teased it earlier in the show. Uh Most important positions recruiting next classes. We're going to go. Let's alternate back and forth. I think this is important here. Um. Uh, I'll start. I'll start on this one. So I, I put cornerback first, okay? And I know we're starting to recruit this at a pretty high level. we got athletes like Cameron Martinez. We've got guys like Ryan Watts. We've got guys getting closer. But I don't think we've had a guy like that, like a Jeffrey Akuda from a recruiting mm. standpoint, in some time. And I'm looking at our 2022 class right now, and I, I always have this pulled up when I'm doing shows because I just know recruiting's going to come up at some point. But we've got Jaheim Singletary, who's the 13th best player in the country, the fifth best player at his position, and this would still be the highest corner recruit we've gotten in in a few years. And uh, we got to start getting back to that level where we get a guy, regardless of where they're from, to represent Ohio State. And I think that's why it's important to me. I already talked about the safeties. I think I could do this as DBs in general. But Coombs is an elite recruiter. It's going to happen. I'm very excited about it, but I think that's, that's the group I think is the most important moving forward, just to reestablish that back end. Because I'm looking at Alabama, I'm looking at Oklahoma, I'm looking at Georgia. They have good receivers too. Uh, how do you stop them? A pass rush, and I, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm guessing that's going to come up here, and the people who are covering the receivers. And that's kind of why I think they're that important.
1: I mean, I, I agree 100%. Um, the re- li- I mean, the reason why they're not number one for me is because, like you said, they're recruiting them better. But, you, I mean, you make a good point. Cause I, literally everything that you could say, you could name – like, you could repeat that for my number one position. We've done good, but we need the number one guy. Um, and so, for me, my answer is DN. And we've had great DNs. And, again, maybe we were just spoiled, but we haven't had – the the Bosa's or the Chase Young. I mean, don't get me wrong. Zach Harrison's great, but he hasn't he reached that level. You know, t- uh, Tyler Friday hasn't reached that level. Uh, Tyreek Smith had. A, I mean, he ended the season great, and we think that we he can reach that level. Three guys we
0: think can reach that level.
1: But like, and 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 the hopes is that Jack Sawyer is that guy, but. You know, if you look, look look at the language, we're saying we have guys that we hope can reach that level. We're used to knowing day yeah. one we Chase have Young, this guy. Chase Young walked
0: in, we knew he was built up.
1: immediately. We had Joe Joey, fresh, immediate Somehow Nick was better than Joey. If we want to talk about it, like that doesn't make any sense. And then we got Chase, and so yeah, I think Chase we have is better
0: than both. Don't don't no one fight me.
1: Listen, I'd be biased I be you know,
0: because I saw him play every game, but.
1: I agree. I mean, you're not going to get no argument out of me. So we have good, but I think we need that guy that's going to give us 10 to 12 sacks, and you know it. And so that's my number one. I think we need to get back to getting to that level. Um, No, I'm with you.
0: I think these are two positions we've done exceptionally well at, better than almost everybody in the country. But this this is about being the best. And, yeah, that gets me to my next one. This one is a little – bit different um i think this one is something that kind of relates to you but i i kind of wanted to go touch on the interior line a little bit more uh the defensive tackle positions and all that stuff because i think ohio state's done a good job of getting defense ends but i i want to see this is why jt is so important i want to see us get some guys who are going to be three techs going to be the nose tackle, you know, we had uh, Tommy Togiai, we had has, we still have Haskell Garrett, but their time is limited. We have Haskell Garrett for one more season. And then we have a lot of people. We really don't know much about drawn Vincent uh, been injured his whole time here. We need some depth immediately. Number one. And number two, we need some guys who are going to be able to contribute when these veterans leave next year. Cause we've got a lot of, of elder statesmen is in that room and we just need to start getting some bodies inside that room. Uh, So top end talent, obviously the dream, but we also need a ton of depth on the interior. And that is why they're so important to me. I think I'm looking at the roster. I looked at the roster before we got on today. And I think that's one where there's going to be a lot of turnover that we're not necessarily fully prepared for yet.
1: Yeah, I think you make a good point, and I think something that's going to be interesting to see. Um, and I don't think they're going to change the recruiting strategy, but as you mentioned, we typically go for the the five star DNs. But a lot of those defensive tackles, we get the Ohio guys, and I mean they turn out to be great. But it would be it would be nice to see you know a little bit of a flip and some higher end, especially because we need it. Um, my second is touching on. I mean, you already mentioned it. You named who you want, but safety. Um, I just think we need legitimate saf- safety. I don't even have to touch on it because I already mentioned it. I think we need safeties not cornerbacks who can play safeties not linebackers who can play safeties we need a couple this guy's a safety he can play that cover one that single guy he is an eraser yeah um and hopefully one that makes big plays hopefully one i mean yeah, i, w- I, w- I want to see some interceptions yes i want to see some interceptions i want to see some that the receiver thought he was open the guy ran 20 yards perfect angle got it double toe tap our ball so yeah safety it's, is my number it's two. exceptional place yeah, no, I think you
0: bring up a good point because everyone's like the twenty four seven sports just did a whole bunch of like restructuring with their player positions. Safety is interesting because a lot of the time you think a good big corner can just make the switch. I, we want guys who already know how to play safety. They get here, that's what they've grown up doing. That's the position they know they are. Like a Lathan Ransom, he was a safety, and yep. I love it. I think there needs to be more because a learning a position is not easy. Learning a position at the highest level, even harder. So I'm with you there. Uh, my next one, also on the defensive side of the ball, I guess I'm going all three defensive sides. So I guess I'm putting an emphasis on the defensive recruiting. So I guess that tells you how I feel about the offensive side of the ball. We're doing pretty well over there. Uh, linebacker. I don't think we could ever have enough good linebackers. I know we're no. recruiting linebacker at high level. We've got Gabe Powers. We've got C.J. Hicks coming. We've had a bunch of big names come in. I want to see us land some big-time dudes at that position. I want to see, uh, maybe not in 2022, but in 2023 moving forward, I want to see Al Washington earn that raise from the recruiting side. I think he's a great coach. I think he's done a good job with the linebackers. But I need to see some serious. I think he's kind of been a little closer to Coach Stud than we think with like where he's gone out and won these huge battles. Uh, And I just want to see us, like, because CJ Hicks Gay powers, guess what? You know where they're from? They're both from Ohio. These are kids we should be landing. I want to see him go out, win some battles across the country, bring in these guys, and continue to recruit Ohio as well as he does, get the depth we need. And as always, like, I think the only position, and I don't even know who recruits the bullet-type body types. I think that's Coombs. I think that's kind of a team effort. I don't know. But... I want real linebackers. That's what I want.
1: I agree hundred percent. I mean, maybe this will showcase throughout when we're doing this this podcast, but when it comes to on the field, I'm a little bit of a traditionalist and I played linebacker and I was just talking to Matt about this on stick to sports. I want a linebacker that you see in the backfield. But, I don't I, the pass coverage, all that stuff matters. It's the game, but I want the Ryan Chazier, tackle him five yards passes, like, run stuff in Ray Kondi- yeah, exactly i want i want to see that so i agree 100% um i think linebackers another one of those positions where they kind of view it as and i i kind of get it but they kind of view it as you can develop them yeah. you know not like that splash you want but i i i think it makes a difference i might like be a
0: little hurt about tough borland just starting for so long as well <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah come on though i mean i like, it, I, I mean Tough, Burla- I love tough Borland started but yeah, I, I mean he, I just
0: can't I can't sit through three more years of something like that.
1: I mean, and you think about it, he started for so long, and then as soon as all the linebackers leave, they're in the transfer portal, and it doesn't give me confidence about who the linebackers are now. Yeah, that's so. true.
0: For sure,
1: that's a totally that's a totally another conversation. My last one is offensive tackle. We're great at center. We're great at guard. I mean, we're so good at center and guard recruiting that it's literally like, hey, you're going to come in, you're going to play guard one year, then you're going to move to center. Uh, I mean, we ha- I mean we've done that for so many years. It's just like you know what's going to happen. Yeah. I want offensive tackles. I already said it. I don't need to repeat it. I would like to go into a draft where it's like Ohio State has the number one and number two the offensive Penny tackle, the Rashawn Slater type, exactly. That's what I want, so maybe that's not flashy, but I don't care. I want it. I want the eraser. I want the guy that you never have to think about you only only the sickos know his name because he's so good, he never gives up a sack, and then he goes into the draft and everyone raves about him. I would love to see it, yeah, and I think sure. that's really the theme of our list, you know
0: We are very happy with the recruiting. I think that's what we're saying, but we just want to see it taken to the next level at a few
1: positions. And those are the positions that matter. I and think he, you could argue if you really, really wanted to break it down. And I think, you know, maybe we can get into that with something we're going to do a little bit later. But I think those one or two stars, those one or two things, those one or two plays is what stopped us from from having, you know, an, another title. Yeah, you know, we sure. had one, but we really should have had two, I think, with, with Urban. So I think, you know, those couple of positions could have done it for us.
0: All right. Yeah. I agree. I for sure. I mean, it's just recruiting is. I mean, uh, like, I I think you said it early. We're spoiled, but it's time. Like we need those next steps, and that's just that's what it is. Like, and these are the positions I think we need them the most at. I think we both did a good job of highlighting that we're not having problems recruiting them, but we could be a little bit better, a little bit more aggressive with it.
1: Exactly. And yeah, just spread out, just spread out the five stars a little bit. You know, we, it's great to have 5 star wide receivers, and I'm never going to complain about that. But it would be, it would be nice to have a five star safety, to have a five star linebacker, oh, to to get more five star cornerbacks. Like that's all we're saying.
0: Absolutely, right? and yeah, I guess I guess that takes us to best for last because a lot of these conversations are why an all time legend of a sport is retiring. Uh, if oh, you guys haven't heard the news yet, uh, Coach Kershevsky, the famous Duke coach, everyone knows him, USA Basketball. I don't think there's an accolade that people haven't brought up about Coach K. Uh, he's retiring after this season. They've already announced their replacement for him, so guess what? Chris Holtman's not going to have his people reach out for another raise. Coach K's retiring. They have the replacement. Uh, reports and this is from a bunch of notable sources i've seen it all over twitter john goodman types uh, john rothstein types the big mb or college basketball guys they're citing the new nil rules and transfer portal as reasons for the timing of the decision how's that how, how's that part specifically make you feel
1: i understand it i mean when you've been a coach for so long and so many changes this is a major change and like you said there's nothing he hasn't done there's nothing he has to prove I'm not sure that I would want to deal with it if I was him I mean it's just so much work I saw a graphic today
0: uh there were I think six players who left Duke this year in the transfer portal it's just in basketball it's even worse than football with that stuff it's been absolutely horrific I think you guys can check out some articles by our guy Connor Lemons Uh, He's written quite a bit about it. Uh, You can find articles all over the internet about the transfer portal in basketball. But I think that would force me into an early retirement as well. And I think a lot of people are like, oh my God, looks like he can't cheat anymore. I'm like, okay, like I don't think Coach K needed to cheat. Like people wanted to come play for him because he's Coach K. It's similar to why people wanted to come and play for Nick Saban, why people want to come and play for Urban Meyer or wanted to. And it's soon to be why people are going to want to come and play for Ron Day. Uh, exactly it's it's time i think he's 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 just been there for a long time uh I, I get it i get it the nil stuff it's just another thing he'd have to learn the transfer portal it's another thing he would have to manage and he's he's getting older like we we all know yeah. that uh jim stated the-, the same stuff i think he's probably on his way out soon so i guess it's just kind of probably going to be time to usher in the new era of basketball coaches
1: Yep, and one thing that you have to think about with basketball that you don't have to think about with football is all these five stars. Excuse me, I'm I'm going to say that. (coughs) You're good. One thing that you have to think about with basketball that you don't have to think with football or really any other sport is recruiting all of these five stars, and then they're turning pro. And as a fan, I love it. Get your money. But now that the G League is a thing, uh, I mean, how many times do you see – how many times do you see a five star that normally would go to Duke, would go to UNC, like had this really long recruitment? And then they're like, into you know, it,
0: and then, yeah, oh, like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to go to the G League or I'm going to go to
1: Australia. And that's great for them and their family. But Coach K, come on, I, I don't see him wanting to deal with that. That's just an added thing, the one and done. I, I mean, he had a great run um, and change is inevitable, but. When you're Coach K, I mean, hey, why do you have to deal with it? You could go home. You could retire. I mean, his his resume is so stacked. You could put him in the Hall of Fame now. Don't even don't even I mean, make even him went. wait. Whatever the requisite years is, just throw yeah, him I in. Mean, so.
0: He's got a Hall of Fame resume three times over. Like
1: literally, multiple
0: so. decades of work that could just be Hall of Fames in their own right. And that's that's kind of I mean that's it and that's greatness. And I, I we I guess we wanted to bring it up. I wanted to bring it up because just kind of the reports that were cited. I'm like, I get it. I get it, man. And I think a lot of people weren't.
1: I I mean, it just, it makes sense to me. There's so much going on. Um, And it's good for the sport. It's good for the student athletes. It is necessary. Um, And if you were like a 35-year-old coach or something, I might look at you sideways. But Coach K, you've done everything you needed to do for the game. I understand you're not one to add that little extra bit in give us one more year you've earned the, you've this, earned you know. the
0: goodbye tour who was it paul exactly. Pierce. uh you're not kobe <laughs> that's what they said yeah yeah coach, but, k, but coach is, k he's that level he's gonna get the he's gonna yeah. get the farewell he's gonna get all the jerseys it's gonna be awesome i'm excited yeah. to follow it but yeah i think that's it so jordan uh outside of the land grant holy land feed where can we find you where, where can we follow you
1: uh, you can follow me on all social media at black underscore royalty eight. Um, you can also find me uh, at get defensive podcast if you're interested in more than just Ohio State. We're right now we're doing uh, the NBA postseason, so that's where you can find me. Awesome
0: stuff! Awesome stuff. Make sure you check him out. Make sure you subscribe to his other podcasts and make sure you subscribe to land grant holy land feed. You guys know where you can find me at Chris Rennie CFB, and you can find the show at. Buck off pod. Uh, College football is my favorite thing. That's why you got the CFB after the name. Uh, But as always, make sure you put a nice little rating for us. Mention me and Jordan. Uh, We don't have anything to give you, but all of it's appreciated. It's all in good fun, and we appreciate you guys coming today.